Well, good morning. So we have finished with the guy and the fish. And uh, I'm getting ready to start a new series that's called Heroes. And it's going to be based out of Hebrews 11. And just looking at individuals in Scripture, uh, those listed in the Hall of Fame or Faith out of Hebrews 11, we won't hit everyone, but we will take a, a nice cross-section of uh, those individuals and look at the characteristics in their lives, the, the strengths, the weaknesses, but their interaction with God and why were they able to do great things for the Lord. And the reason we're doing that is we want to inspire. We want people to see that those that are in Scripture are not that far afield from who we are. Uh, so uh, we, we want to see the commonalities that we share, and we want to see how God worked in those individuals so that uh, there's a deeper relationship, there's great kingdom work that is done, and that that can happen in us just as much as it could ever happen, say, in Noah. Um, and some of you are like, wait, I don't want to build a gigantic ark. I don't want to clean up after all those animals. Um, well, we're not saying that that's what God has for you, but I think we can definitely be inspired by the lives of, uh, of those individuals because of the faith that they exhibited. Amen? But before we get there, I thought we would do something a little bit different. And we're going to... have a series that's going to start that we're going to touch on throughout the, uh, throughout the year. Every once in a while, you're going to get part of the foundation series. We are getting ready to uh, finish up our membership class. Very excited about that and the individuals that are working through it. And it's a great, great class because it helps us walk through the foundations of the faith. So that we know that if you're going to be a member here uh, and the things that, that come with uh, being part of the, the family, the inner circle workings or whatever you want to call them at, at Concord Bible, that we're all unified and moving in the same direction on these areas. It's so, so desperately important. And so uh, we're praising the Lord over all these lights being lit. I actually went shopping this week. Kind of went back and found where I got those lights from, and so we're going to be somewhere in the next few weeks hanging more lights because we know the Lord is still at work. Amen? Yeah. Amen. Part of what we want to be able to teach that is foundational is once you have that statement of faith, once you have been drawn to the Lord and you now have relationship, that light of Christ is in you, the very first step in your discipline and in your appreciation and in your spiritual connection with God, according to Christ, is baptism. As a matter of fact, we just finished an epic long series in Acts. And what we saw over and over and over in Acts was repent and be what? Be baptized. And so, just like all good humans, we have twisted some of this up. We have put our little mark on it. We have put our little flavor on it. And, uh, and so there's some confusion when it comes to this issue of baptism. 
So what the series is going to be focused on is baptism and the Lord's table. I shared with our, our group during first hour. In first hour, uh, we got out on time. All right, I'm learning. I'm finally learning that you know you, you've got to if you're going to do it right, you got to shorten the content, man. So I, initially it was going to be baptism in the Lord's table today. We're going to finish up next week with Lord's table, and then we'll start on the heroes of the faith. Actually, next week, do not miss it. We have a U40 service uh, that has been planned out for about three months now. And so we're very, very excited about being here. If you don't know what a U40 service is, uh, uh, it sounds like a, wasn't that like an 80s reggae group? UB40. UB40. That's, that's, in two that's in two Sundays. Yes, no. Uh, as far as I know, we will not have any reggae next week. It's just going to be under 40. Those under 40, that next generation is going to be serving um, and preaching and doing music as much as we possibly can. We really believe in that as part of our vision at Conquer Bible is investing in the next generation and letting them run with that. So this morning, we're going to talk from the foundation. And you see the scripture here. This is our scripture for the year. Actually, it's verses 10 through 11. But we're going to look at this foundation, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Amen? And so what does Jesus expect when it comes to this issue of baptism? So this is where it's going to be kind of fun. We're going to kind of go uh, just into a different mode. I want you to imagine you're at William Jessup University. You're in your theology uh, 200 level class. And uh, it's not preaching today, it's, we're in a classroom. And so you get to ask questions, all right? And I'm hoping that the questions I think you're going to ask are the ones I've put on the screen, okay? But, but fair game, we're going to do a free-for-all for about five minutes. And uh, if you uh, ask a question that's on the screen, I'll say, and we're going to get to that. So uh, when it comes to baptism, what questions do you have? Yes, sir. What's the correct formula as far as baptism is concerned? You got Jesus saying one thing, Matthew 28, and then you got in the book of Acts, you got Peter saying another. Sounds almost like a contradiction, but I know it's not. Right. So Jesus said what? Go and preach into all the world, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. And what did Peter say in Acts? Be baptized for the remissions of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Great question. It made the list. It made the list. Uh, uh, formulas, I started thinking like uh, peas and beets. That's formula, right? For those who are, you know, have children, I was thinking E equals MC square. I was thinking algorithms. That's nothing of what my brother's speaking about, okay? So just want to clarify, when we get into some of these questions, sometimes you might, what? What, what, what are you talking about? There's some challenge when it comes to this. There's some confusion when it comes to this issue of, of baptism. So we're going we're gonna to circle that. If we don't bring up specifically what you're talking about, you bring that question at the end because we're going to have the intro, which is where we are. We're going to have the body, and then we're going to have the last few moments. So great question. I really like it because it was the one I wanted asked. Yes, what else? Infant baptism made the list. 
Good. You guys are so predictable. Yes, what did somebody raise their hand over here? I think this made the list, but do you have to be baptized to go to heaven? You know, I didn't make the list. Uh, be- it is, and it's important, and it is in our baptism class, shameless plug, there's one coming up because we're going to be doing baptism on the 14th of April. The 14th of April. So that's why we're taking time to talk about it now. We have two classes that you go through that answer all these questions in specific, kind of in a uh, more easygoing class nature, and then we have a booklet to work through. Do you have to be baptized? To be, is that your question? Yep. It is on the list. So <clears throat> it is, you'll see, it, it, we get to it a little bit. Let me answer this real quickly. My quick answer to that is to say this. Actually, why do you ask the question? Okay, let me counter that with this question. We are saved by faith alone, Scripture says, Romans 5. Uh, one of the passages I do have is Ephesians 2.8. For you justified by grace alone through faith, not by any what? Baptism, which you may commit on the 14th of April. Chair's <laughs> paraphrase. So you could, you could take that angle with what I'm about to say. That's why I'm being very careful to find out what you mean. So you, on one level, what Marianne is saying is that some people have taught you have to be baptized to truly be saved. Other people would say, well, no, you don't. Scripture says we are justified by faith and faith alone. That's it. Now, let me take you to where I was going to take you. And I, saw, I, see, I see your hands. I see your hands. If I don't answer it, raise it again. So Philip and Jay, raise your hands in a minute. This is the practical way I answer that. Who is it that we have in Scripture that Jesus Himself said, you will be with me in heaven, that was never able to be baptized? The thief on the cross. So, let me ask you. Do you have to be baptized to be saved? No. Now, did Jesus say you should be baptized? Thank you. Thank you. Because often people will hear what they want to hear, and the reality is when we get to the baptism, People get very nervous about being in crowds and being in front of people, and so they're saying, look, it really doesn't matter. It's superfluous. I made a personal commitment. We're going to get into the completion. Let me start with this. Did I answer your... Did I say what you guys were thinking? Did we address that? I saw you kind of... I saw you smile, so I figured we got there. Let me ask you a question. Uh, uh, some of you are hair optional. Okay? I'm not, not going to name names. Some of you are hair optional. I, I got it. So this may not, you may not be able to connect to this. But for those of you who have plenty sitting up top, 
I get in the shower this morning and I decide to wash my hair, and so I use the conditioner, get that all going, and it's this weird gooey mess now, and then I use the shampoo. Did I do that correctly? Oh, so what you're saying to me is that there's a correct order and process to accomplish the desired effect. Those were your words, those were not my words, right? Thank you very much. How many of you, when you get in your car or when you go buy a car, you test the windshield wipers when it's not raining? How many of you, when you get in your car in the morning and it's not raining, like today, you turn on your wipers? Now they're there, they're functional, you can use them, but they are optional. How many of you use them when it's raining heavily? Hopefully all of you. But they are optional. Well, now I guess, I guess cards have automatic sensing that they just automatically go on if they sense any, you know. That's beyond me. That's not my cars. I have a Fred Flintstone car. That's how my car goes. Um, I, have a, I have a pterodactyl that uses its wings to clean the, the windshield. That's how old my car is. So the question is, is baptism? Is baptism optional? Is it optional? That's not on my list. Now I'm asking you, is it optional? Wait a minute. Marianne asked if you had to be baptized to be saved, and we said, Scripture said what? No. So now you're telling me baptism isn't optional. Give me verse. Give me chapter and verse. You're like, wait a minute, you're the pastor. Why are you telling us to do this? It's up there. Any other questions? I'll give us one more question that's for the... Yes, Anna. Um, I grew up in... I was raised Catholic. Yes. Yes. Yes, very good. We're baptized in the Holy Spirit. What do we need the water for? Right? John the Baptist was out there baptizing with water for what? To wa- for the remission of sins. To wash away sin. That's literally what Scripture says. So, who washes away sin? Jesus. Through the blood. Not the, and we'll get to that next week. This is, okay, I, I don't want to bring up too many controversial things in one moment. Um, through His blood, He washed away for one time, one time only, according to Hebrews and multiple other passages. So, this challenge of how does baptism fit into our life if we're baptized by the Holy Spirit, two separate things. There's Scripture that talks about being baptized with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Is that what you're speaking to? What's the word baptize? So now, now we're getting into it. And that's not on the script, so this is good. Immerse. So that is the only way you should ever be baptized, right? Says a good Baptist. Is you need to be immersed all the way down. I didn't hear that, and I don't know if I want to hear it. Oh, all right, I got you. I got you, brother. Um, so there is sprinkling, there's pouring, there's immersion. 
uh, immersion, that is the actual word in Greek. It's baptizo. And the word is used commonly for the idea of this is going to permanently damage you <laughs> when it comes to baptism, okay? But it's the concept, literally, of taking a dish and putting it all the way in under the water to clean it. Now my question is for you, how many of you who aren't in the demographic of, say, 18 to 25-year-old guys take your dishes and only put half of it in or just spritz it to clean it? Man, our dishes at our house, they get cleaned in the sink and then they go in the dishwasher and fully immersed for a long time. Okay? And, and, and so that word baptizo is actually the Greek word for immerse all the way in. So is that the right way to do it? Is that the only way to do it? And what's the difference between the Holy Spirit? The reason I bring this up, Anna, is because the idea of immerse to be fully involved, right? That we're going to have a quote up here in a minute from Romans 6. It says, we were buried with Christ. Christ didn't have one foot in the grave and one foot out, did He? All the way in. And then when He resurrected and He came up, do you see the symbolism? When He came all the way up, He didn't keep one foot in the grave and one foot out. And so there's a sim symbolism that goes with this. Jesus, John said and prophesied, I baptize with water, but He will baptize with the Holy Spirit. John 14 Jesus promises the disciples the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is coming. When you make a statement of faith, when that veil is lifted from your eyes and, the, and you, you in faith follow Christ, the Holy Spirit is now indwelling in you. It is that mark. 1 Corinthians 12, and we'll list it up here, is that we are all baptized by one Spirit. We are all brought to unity by being fully immersed by that one Spirit. So it's not a word that only speaks, and this is what I'm trying to help us understand. It's not just a word that speaks to the action of getting in the tank and going down in water and back up. You can use that word to mean fully involved. Okay? So when it says baptized in the Holy Spirit, he's speaking about something that's separate and valuable. He's not discounting water baptism he's not eliminating water baptism did that answer your question okay all right let's get into so today's sermon title is ordinances in the court i think if you look at your sheet um there's there's no bullet points because i wasn't sure what we were going to discuss because uh, i'm asking you questions but the idea is that when it comes to baptism and when it comes to the lord's table these are the two ordinances that we see what does ordinance mean it means an authoritative declaration okay an authoritative command this is not passive language some of you heard the story that when my wife and i were dating um i, I had the law catch up with me at a certain point in time um really kind of out of irresponsibility I moved 18 times in about five years and that doesn't help when you get a traffic ticket for supposedly not stopping at a stop sign 
and never got the summons on top of the fact I was 22 years old, so wasn't really paying attention. Probably wasn't paying attention to the stop sign either. But it caught up to me, and the next thing I know, uh, I'm driving a friend's car, and it has uh, a taillight out or something, and so I got pulled over, and there's an APB out for me. Well, I'm a hardcore felon. And so found out that I had to go to court. So this is right about the time my wife met me. And I highly recommend this if you're wondering where your relationship is at as far as a commitment level. Uh, went to court, thought for sure, because I'd never been involved in the law issues before. Didn't really know how it worked. That's another message for another day. And uh, went to court and just figured, okay, if I don't win, I'm going to tell them what happened. I'm sure I'm going to win. And I hear about people winning all the time. And even if I don't win, I'll just ask for traffic school. Janine goes with me for moral support. We go, and there is an ordinance by the court that is ruled for me. It is not a soft sell. It is not a suggestion. It is, uh, Mr. Cook, you are found guilty be of being completely irresponsible. Right? I don't want to hear your excuses. You will move from there to the clerk's window because you are going to what? You are going to pay. That was not part of my plan that day. So here's the commitment part. I, 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 I'm sitting there and he says, that'll be $450. And I raised my hand and I said, sir, I work for Domino's Pizza. No, I didn't say that. You don't... You don't talk to the court the court issued an ordinance there's no negotiation it is you will do this this is the kind of language we need to understand when it comes to the lord's table and when it comes to baptism did, does that translate for you the great part about that story is i didn't have the money but my girlfriend did <laughs> happily ever after that's all i have to say that's all i have to say <laughs> So here's the, here's the law, if you're going to uh, acquiesce back to what the ordinance is. Well, what is the ordinance? Matthew 28, 19. Now, my brother mentioned it. Go, therefore, that's what you call in the Greek an imperative. It's not soft language. It's not a suggestion. It's go, therefore, and make what? Disciples of all nations. And here's the key word. Baptizing them. Now, just so we're not confused... Where is it that salvation happens before the baptism? Because some people could look at this and just say, you're supposed to go and just baptize people and they'll be saved. What is the part here that helps you understand it is implied? What is the part here that helps you understand that a step of faith in salvation happens first and then baptism? Make disciples. I just want to be very clear on that. Is that clear? Good. Are you having fun? I'm having fun. This is great. Interaction. I like it. I like the classroom thing. So it's an ordinance of the church. Jesus gives this command that we're supposed to go to what? Go and make of all nations. That's part of our approach here. Is it in reaching out? That's part of our mission statement and our vision statement. And so Acts 2.38 becomes a little bit of our challenge. It's a demonstration of our authentic faith. If, if you feel the conviction because you have not participated in believer's baptism, and I'll define that before we leave today, uh, 
If you have a certain sense of conviction that this is something that God's calling you to do, by the way, congratulations, Lisa. Lisa just put up a picture of her baptism certificate. You're the first one that I've ever seen do that. I thought people just, you know, when they walk out, they just do this. Does it, you know, make a paper airplane out of it? Flow it, you know, spit wads with those things. She saved it three, four, three years. Three years. And she put it out on social media because she's so proud of it. And she didn't know that I was doing this. So it is important and it brings great joy. So when we look at this, it's a demonstration of our authentic faith. This answers, who raised the, who raised the hand about infant baptism? So this starts to speak to this. And if you come to the class that we're going to offer over the next few weeks, we practice believer's baptism, which is what? According to Scripture, it says there has to be a decision of faith. That's what saves us. It is our faith. It is through grace you are saved, through faith, not by works of yourself. Okay? When we look in Acts, we see over and over and over where Peter calls them to on the day of Pentecost, on the steps of the temple, right? They said, what must we do? He says, be baptized. The Philippian jailer says, or, or Paul says, be baptized, right? Well, yes, they did say that, but they said something first. Repent and be baptized. You see the correlation? These were so often matched together. that This is not soft tense stuff. There's an expectation by the Lord, and we'll get into why that has to happen, but it's a demonstration of our authentic faith. And in that class, the way that I relate to it, and Lisa, this is what I brought you up because she went through the class, is anybody know Joe's favorite football team? Who said that? <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear what, how he said it? Packers. Packers. I'm not going to get into why you said it that way, Scott. But I can tell you why I know it's the Packers. Because there was a Sunday during football season when Joe first came that he and Cyrus? Annika. Annika. He and Annika wore Packer jerseys to church. <laughs> this is how I talk about this. Is that that was a public demonstration of their devotion and loyalty. Do you get that? Baptism is the public demonstration of who we are devoted to. You got it? That's one of the most important things you can grab about how this relates to our personal lives. Demonstration of our authentic faith. Uh, it's a symbol of sanctification. So there are scriptures in the New Testament that get a little bit confusing, and I think I put it up here. Um, yeah, have you seen it there? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. Now some would read that, and some have read it, that you have to be baptized for the forgiveness. Doesn't that make sense? This is where it's a disservice, brothers and sisters, for those who aren't experts in, in the languages. One of the things you can look at is the wholeness. Have you ever been telling your kids, I bought cookies at the store, and they just run. 
You're not done saying anything. They just run for the, 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 the cabinet where you keep the cookies. But the whole message was, I bought cookies at the store. They are for our event that we're hosting later this week. Don't touch them. Look at the whole balance of the New Testament and you will see over and over, especially in Romans, where our faith is, or our salvation, Romans 10.9, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and confess with your mouth that He is what? He is Lord and that He died on the third day and that He is the Son of God and what will happen? You will be saved. There is Scripture upon Scripture upon Scripture that talks about the qualifying elements. So this is answering Marianne's question. The qualifying elements of what it requires to be saved. Baptism is a celebration of that. It is a public testimony of that. It is not a condition that washes away our sins. It looks like it's saying that, but it's not. Is that clear? Okay, let me, let me move to our next thing. Does baptism save our souls? It was in, it was there. So 1 Peter 3.21, and this may speak a little bit to some of your questions. Baptism, which corresponds to this. Now what? Now that is black and white. Right? Do you understand why there are individuals that say that baptism saves you when there's Scripture like this? This is another problem where you're not understanding the fullness of what is being stated. You've got to read the whole context around it. So baptism here means a little bit more than the ceremony of the water. Okay, Baptism, which corresponds to this, what was the this? Well, I'm just going to tell you to look it up. Now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So that would be the controversy where people would, on a cursory level, look at it and say, well, it says baptism saves you. Well, look at Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Is there any mention of baptism here at all? None. So we have to go to the balance of Scripture. If I tell you five times that I'm Norwegian, and then one time I tell you, I'm German. How do you fix that? Either I'm lying or I'm telling the truth. Is there an either or, or is there an and? There's an and in there. I may have not mentioned because maybe I'm speaking to a bunch of Swedes that came in for the Abelskiever festival. <laughs> right? If you're new here, I apologize. <laughs> Alright? But do you understand how context works with it? That based off of who I'm talking to, I may speak to something specific, and it may come across like that's the primary issue when it's not. And then later on, I, I go back to the Norwegian contingency with powdered sugar all over their face, and I say, oh, I'm, I'm actually 10% German as well. That's a little bit of what's going on in this verse. The reality is, is that most of the New Testament, 90%, speaks to what saves our soul is what? Faith in Jesus Christ. You have a one-off verse that tells you where you have to do the lion's share of the work. The scholarship is on that verse. 
and figure out exactly what is being said. What is Peter trying to communicate here? And he's talking about the emphasis of baptism because if I know, because I baptized my daughter, and some of you were there, but you weren't there when she accepted the Lord, you were there when she was baptized, do you have a high level of confidence that she knows the Lord? You do, because there's context to how we do believers' baptism. That we're not going to have someone go through the process of baptism unless they've made a personal, private, intimate level of devotion to the Lord. Now, baptism gives the opportunity to publicly speak to that. So sometimes we can refer to how powerful that baptism was, right? Now, it may say that we're putting all the emphasis on baptism. That's not what we're saying. We're just talking contextually about how important that moment was. That's kind of what Peter's doing here. So it doesn't save our souls. It is a command. It is an ordinance, but it doesn't save our souls. Does baptism wash away our sins? I had somebody recently say this to me, and I was thinking, oh, you know, I thought we were clear on this. I thought we did some teaching on this. There's an understanding as to why, right? In Acts, it says, and now why do you wait? Paul is saying this. Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on His name. That sounds pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Do you know what Paul's talking about here? you know where this is in Acts? Let me help you out so we don't waste time. Paul was talking about his own conversion experience. And if you go and you look at his own conversion, which I put the verses there, Brother Saul, this is Ananias, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit, Anna, right? And it says, then he rose and was baptized. Was he filled with the Holy Spirit before or after he got baptized? Before. Can you be still a denier of Christ and be filled with the Holy Spirit according to Scripture? Absolutely not. So what was the order that happened here? He came to faith, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then what? Rose and was baptized. So when Paul himself says to the crowd, and now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized. That idea of why do you wait? Rise. There's more context behind it. You need to look at the verses behind. The individuals are there. There is a statement of faith. So he's saying your next thing to do is to rise and be baptized. And what? Wash away your sins is a phrase that is connected to this symbolism and the understanding of the process of salvation. He's not speaking to water baptism washing away. He's speaking to Jews who have a ceremony that they practice before going to worship, which is what? Washing. Look at how many times you see about the word washing in the New Testament and definitely the Old Testament. There's another religion that has borrowed from the Jewish religion this idea of washing for purification before they worship. What is that religion? Islam. So when Paul's talking to a group of Jews and devout Jews, can you see why he's using some of the language he's using? It makes sense to the audience he's speaking to. Does that help you understand that verse and that controversy? Did somebody say no? Oh, I heard an amen. Okay. And you can say no. We'll, we'll, we'll stay here all day. 
<laughs> so, who asked the question about baby baptism? I think it was Dale. Dale, were you baptized as a baby? No. That's what happened. Okay. <laughs> Just, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, to the glory of God. So, I'm just going to cut to the quick. The, the Catholic Church uh, for millennia has practiced this act of baby baptism. They're not the only ones, but I'm just going to use this as an example because it's probably the primary focus, okay? And before I say this, I need to, I need to be very clear here. Brothers and sisters, I believe that many Catholics believe in faith in Jesus Christ, which saves them. Be very clear on this. I think there are many other things that can be confusing that distract and that lead people down an insecure foundation of faith. They place it into the priest. They place it into indulgences. They place it into infant baptism, where that does not exist in Scripture in any way, shape, or form or context. What's interesting is I pulled this off of a website from the Catholic um, Information Society. I don't remember the title of the, of the URL, but it's, it's, their, it's their information. What preceded this, but I didn't have room for, is that there is something called ex-cathedra in Catholic doctrine. Does anybody know what that means? There's a, lot of, there's a lot of former Catholics in the room, so somebody's got to know what this means. Outside the church or outside Scripture. Outside Scripture. And just prior to this statement, right there, in a very demonstrative, clear-cut, literal sense, was a statement saying, Scripture gives us sufficiency for some things, but not for all things. Therefore, it is left up to the church, the Pope, to determine other things that are doctrinal truths. Some of what goes behind infant baptism is part of that statement. Because there is no support in Scripture for infant baptism. Some would look at it and say, uh, Cornelius the Philippian jailer, two times where it's stated that he and his whole what? Household. That's assuming that the household had an infant. Now, it, it could have had an infant. Here is the challenge. So, so let's look at this. So this is the statement from a Catholic website as to infant baptism. Born with a fallen human nature and tainted by original sin, that's true, Children also have need of the new birth in baptism to be what? Freed from the power of darkness and brought into the realm of the freedom of the children of God to which all men are called. Now let me tell you where we differ in that. Is we believe in original sin. We believe that we are born in original sin. What we believe is that Scripture is clear, Jesus was clear, that it is faith in Je cognitive faith in Jesus Christ that saves you. Otherwise, why don't I just do all the work for you all, and you guys can go about doing whatever you want to do, and we can do a secret handshake or whatever we decide to make up, whatever we would do, that gets you in. 
Well, when you say that Scripture is not the total authority on a subject, you can do those things. And so the reality is, they deviate here by saying a logical thought process. Well, what do you, and here's where some of it has come from. Some was just tradition. Some of that came out of the thinking of, well, what do you do for a child who dies at age four, a child who dies at age two, a, di- a child who dies at age one? What do you do for that, that child that wasn't yet emotionally, mentally, spiritually ready to understand all that goes into that decision? They have no coverage. Therefore, you have been saved by God's what? Grace through what? Faith. Is God good? Is He righteous? We have to believe, and let me just get right to it. Scripture is silent on this. How many of you have heard of the age of accountability? The only thing I see close to that was when David's child died as a consequence. David mourns and mourns and mourns, but when he gets news that the child had passed, he washes himself and he begins to eat. That's so counterintuitive to what happens in our own lives, isn't it? So what happened? Because David saw it, as long as that child is still alive, I will beseech the Lord as much as I can. But he says, now that that child is in the presence of the Lord, I'm paraphrasing, now that child is in the presence of the Lord, I look forward to being reunited with him. So David spoke, that is the only scriptural that I know of, the only scriptural context to say that we can trust God in these situations. Okay? Because the rest of the Bible is kind of silent. So some people are not comfortable with the silence and they're not comfortable with trusting God. And so that's where this came about, is we need coverage. We're in a day day and time of insurance, brothers and sisters. We need coverage. God's got it covered. So let's not twist something into what it's not. Does that make sense? All right, I got to move faster. Who should be baptized? Here's your Corinthians passage, Anna. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Is he talking about water baptism? Not at all. This is where that usage of that word that was also used, you will be baptized in the spirit. You will be immersed in the spirit, right? It doesn't negate the other. Um... Did we talk about child baptism? We did, right? Let me just make a point about that. What was Jewish tradition? And we see it riddled through the Old Testament for sure, some in the New Testament. What was the tradition? I think it was on the sixth day, fifth day? Eighth day. What was it? Circumcision. So all the girls were left out. Do you see what we do to ourselves? But God set apart His people by a sign. So what translates sometimes into that conversation, Dale, was how God used circumcision at an early age to set apart His people 
Therefore, there's an argument that, well, let's use baptism in the same manner. Except baptism was never meant for that. Even John's baptism was a cognitive process of an adult thinking, I need to repent, and I need to do something about it. Okay? So you can see how we got there, but it's bad interpretation. Okay. So, Romans 6, 4. We were buried. So here's some symbolism, right? Symbolism of baptism. We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death, and in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness in life. We practice immersion here. There are times where I have done pourings. I, I, I don't know that I'm ever going to do a sprinkling unless somebody has an allergic reaction to water. Um, but the one pouring that I did, somebody had a medical procedure, and they couldn't, they couldn't immerse all the way into the water. That's fine. We'll do whatever we can. Right? So I, I, I don't know how immersed the Ethiopian eunuch was, because I, I always picture a puddle on the side of the road, you know, with him and Philip. That, Look, there's water right here. Let's do this. Okay? You know, I, I don't know how deep that water was, but, but sometimes you only have a little bit of water. By the way, that's part of the tradition, is that the church went into the catacombs during the persecution under Nero and Domitian, and so there wasn't a whole lot of water. And so that's where sprinkling, traditionally, that's where some of the sprinkling started. So we practice immersion here. Why do we practice that? Because we like this idea of the symbolism God uses symbolism to help us remember. He uses the symbolism that we're going to participate in the Lord's table here in a minute. And so that's why we practice it. And we don't want someone, right? I, I don't want to use the conditioner before I use the shampoo. There's a process here. And we want to help people understand. I've, I've told this story before that during the Crusades, that the English and French knights, before they went to war, the church would baptize them because of what they were about to go do. They knew what they were going to go do was going to be heinous. And so the church at that time baptized these individuals. I don't know what the thinking was behind that, but they baptized them. They probably baptized a lot of individuals that didn't believe in the Lord. And probably, and here's the danger of it, probably provided a false sense of eternal security. What's interesting about that is when they got baptized, the hand that they used to wield their sword, they held out of the water. They said, everything about me, I want to be righteous and sanctified, but this, this is going to be its own weapon without restriction. Do you understand now why we believe in full immersion here? Not to be reactive, but to also practice what Jesus practiced. And, and, it's commonly understood that John's baptism was an immersion, immersion baptism. Okay? That's it. So let me, let me answer any questions I didn't answer. How'd you like the format? A little class time today? That was kind of fun. So we're going to do Lord's Table next week. Um, questions. Brother, did I answer your question? Maybe not. Then let's talk afterwards. Let's talk afterwards. Yes, Philip. Great question. So my wife fits that. She was baptized as a baby. Um, I don't know exactly what Presbyterian theology is on this. I did it one time. I have bad memory issues. 
there are many um, Protestant or evangelical, uh, the evangelical covenant church practices infant baptism. The reason that they do that is why we do baby dedication. So it doesn't come with the same focus, same eternal gravitas, that there's no solific or saving properties of that. It's a dedication. Um, so my wife looked at it and said, well, believer's baptism is you make a, a decision of faith. So here clearly, because that may be some people in the room. You may, not because Janine said it, but that's what I live by, okay? <laughs> so I'm just telling you her experience. She said, look, as I see it in Scripture, there has to be that decision of faith, and then that is always followed by what? By baptism. The decision of faith, and then believer's baptism. Not conditioner first, and then shampoo. That doesn't make a lot of logical sense. You're the ones that told me that. So that's, that's what I would say to someone that went through infant baptism, is you need to pray through that and ask the Lord. The most important, th not the mo one of the most important things for us to grab today is very simply the idea that this is an ordinance. Jesus didn't talk in a passive voice on this subject. If you have faith in Jesus Christ and you have not yet been baptized as a testimony to that decision of faith, then Jesus' expectation is that you make that declaration. That's his expectation, and we need to teach that. So, with that, let me close in prayer. And um, I will be around after service, uh, not to baptize. That'll be on the 20th or the 14th. But I will be around afterwards to answer questions and, and look forward to that. Um, let's go before the Lord and ask that he takes this and gives us a spirit of discernment um, in looking and thinking through what we need to uh, appreciate and follow. Father, we look this morning at something that is so important to you. It is the expression whereby we can act in faith. We can act in obedience to that which you have asked us to do as an expression of our love and devotion to you. And we can do so so that others know about our testimony of faith. Lord God, thank you for these various and different opportunities whereby we can put our faith into action. Um, help the teaching to be clear and to have great understanding. And if anyone this morning, Lord, has more questions, then let them pursue those, those answers. Uh, let them not rest until they get uh, those, those questions answered well by Scripture, Father. Um, thank you. We, uh, we trust you in all of this. In your name, amen.